You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. You've had a long day at work, and you can't wait to just get home, take off your shoes, plop yourself down in your favorite chair, and relax. Ah. You walk up to your tranquil residential home and your neatly manicured lawn in your quiet suburban neighborhood, put the key in the lock, open the door, and... Yes, the pets have gone wild! What were you thinking? Welcome to the show about everything you always wanted to know about exotic pets. Where to get them, what to feed them, and how to care for them. You'll even find out why some people live with a monkey. Now, here's your host, exotic pet expert and author, Bob Tart. Hey, Bob, what were you thinking? What is that music in the background? I don't remember putting any music on. Oh, well. Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. What? Who on earth could that be? Oh, let's see. What? B- book character Bill Home! Hi, Bob. Can I come in? Book character Bill Holm. Yeah, can I come in? Sure, come on in. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah. Good to see you. I was just in the neighborhood. And I thought, I get the door. Sticky, isn't it? I, I was just in the neighborhood, and I thought I'd drop in and say hi. Whew. Come on in, Bill. Hey, Bob. What, what the heck? What the heck is going on here? God, it sounds like you're leafing loudly through a stack of papers. Oh, I'm just going through my emails for the show. Oh my gosh, it sounds like you must have countless emails there, which doesn't surprise me, considering the popularity of your podcast, especially the ones with me in them. Um, how many have you got? For the whole show? Yeah. Since we started? Oh, well, I'm, t- I'm trying to count them now. Uh, let's see. Since? The show started. I've received. Oh, I've lost count again. <clears throat> you know, I sh- I'm sorry. I should have done this before I started recording this week's show. Oh, oh, you mean we're on? Oh, that's good. I, I think your fans might like this kind of behind-the-scenes peek at everything that goes into preparing one of these podcasts. Well, would you please stop yammering. You made me lose count again. Okay, now I got to start over. Oh, man. This has taken up a lot of time. Well, uh, while you're doing that, maybe I should talk a little about my cat, Zippy. She's about to turn 16, you know. Our listeners might be interested to know that... Shh! Shh. I lost it again. Okay, all right. I guess I don't have to be exact. Right. Why not just guess? How many emails do you have there? Since we started? 13 weeks ago? Um, One. (laughs) That many? I don't believe it. And it's a doozy. Read it. Bob Tart is incredibly funny. If you haven't read his books, don't prejudge them based on these podcasts while he's finding his voice and his footing in this totally new venue for him. Now, how can you beat praise like that? Mm -hmm. That's an actual email from a listener quoting a review that she was going to post on dig.com. Now, I think one email and 13 weeks of shows is pretty darned good. I mean, look, in the whole USA, there are what? Maybe 
5,000 people with computers? Well, maybe 5,500. Okay, I'll give you that. Maybe maybe 5,500. And how many do you think are actually connected to the internet? Hmm, oh, let's say 4,500. Okay, so that's pretty good. When I started this show, I certainly didn't have any expectations of getting, say, 100 listeners. No, of course not. Why would anyone listen at all? Exactly. So I am pretty darn proud of that one email. Mm, but I'll bet you can do better. You could get two. Maybe once you find your voice and footing, someone else might email you. Oh, someday, maybe. Mm, you could have 90 listeners and get two emails. How? Well, I've got some ideas for improving the show. For one thing, it would help if we had a script. No argument there. But there's something even more sensible that I think we should implement. This, I want to hear. Hi, I'm Bob Tart author of Enslaved by Ducks and Foul Weather. And you're listening to What Were You Thinking? A show about exotic pets. I'm sitting here in my dining room with book character Bill Holm. And he's got a few ideas for improving the show. Thank you, Bob. I do, as a matter of fact. I've been thinking a lot about this, and I realized that this is a totally new venue for you. And I reached the conclusion that you really need to find your voice and footing. It's not hard either. Anyone could do it. I mean, I found mine in this glass of Johnny Walker Black. Ouch! Bill, Bill, watch the parrot. Watch Bella. <laughs> Sounds to me like you've lost your footing, Bill. <laughs> no matter. What's important is my ideas. Okay, let's hear one. Get rid of Linda. Divorce her? Well, that's a little drastic, I think, but, well, if it would attract more listeners... Uh, no, you, you don't have to go that far. Just get her off the show. Take Linda off the show? She's the best thing on it. That's exactly the problem. She's too good. She's so good, she makes you look bad. You need someone who could be worse than you. Worse than me? Worse. Okay, where could I possibly find anyone worse than me to do this show? You read my email. You heard what my listener thinks. Who could be any worse? I could. Easily. I could be worse in my sleep. And I've already got your first guest lined up for us to interview. Oh, who's the guest you have in mind? Marsha Davis. Marsha Davis? Marsha Davis. Marsha Davis? Marsha Davis. Hmm. Marsha Davis. Marsha Davis. Does she own a pet monkey? No, but she lives with me. She does? Are you kidding me? Why? Because I promised her a part on your podcast. Oh, yeah, yeah. I see. That makes perfect sense. Yeah, yeah. That's something to consider. Maybe Marsha can send me a tape and a resume and we can discuss a possible role in the future. You know, I have a very strong... And here she is now. Hi, Bob. I'm Marsha Davis. Bill, I don't know about this. We haven't prepared anything. This is so great. I was so thrilled when Bill said you wanted me to be part of the show. I've been a fan of yours ever since I read Enslaved by Ducks. 
You're incredibly funny. Oh, oh, well, well, I... And when Bill said I'd be replacing Linda as the star of the show, I had second thoughts. Like, was I ready? Do I have enough talent and experience? But Bill said you don't have any talent and experience at all. Look how far you've come. Bill said what? Uh, 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 no, no matter. What's important is that she's here and we have a show to do. What's the topic today, Bob? Are, are we taking calls? We, we can't take calls. This is a podcast. We can take pod calls from pod people, but we can't take any regular calls. I have a topic. Oh, what is it? I'd like to hear about how you became book character Bill Holm. Oh, 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 no, well, no, no, that doesn't have anything to do with pets. And the pet thing hasn't exactly been popular with your listeners, has it? One person sort of likes it. Uh, go ahead, Marsha. Pose your question again. Well, Bill, I was thinking that all of the people who potentially listen to your show would be interested in hearing the story of how you became one of the most beloved figures in the entire history of American nonfiction. All right, maybe we can work pets into it somehow. Bob, please. Marsha, I'd be happy to share the story with all of the faceless enslaved by ducks and foul-weather readers who have brought a little dash of excitement into their bland lives by enjoying my exploits. My books, Enslaved by Ducks, which is the number one best-selling pet book on Amazon.com, and Foul Weather, which is also for sale, aren't really about you, Bill, although you do have a small part in them. Bob, whose show is this? I... You're being ungrateful. I've given you a brand new co-host, Marsha Davis, and a brand new host, me, and all you can do is interrupt. I... You've invited Marsha on the show, and I've been nice enough to step in and shove you aside, and the very least you can do is let me do my job. Can I... Can you what? Can I hold the microphone? No, no, set it on the table. I've got the microphone. I've got the microphone. I've got the microphone. <laughs> I've got the microphone. I've got the microphone. Hey, hey, no, stop, stop, stop. Leave me alone, you big bully. I got it. I got it, Bill. I got the microphone. Good, good. You got the microphone. You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. Hi, everybody. You're listening to WBGO Newark. I mean, you're listening to What Were You Thinking? And I'm your host, Marsha Davis, because I've got the microphone. My guest this week is book character Bill Holm, one of the most beloved figures in contemporary nonfiction. It's such a pleasure to have him here with me today, and I'm sure we'll learn a lot from all his valuable insights. But before we get to Bill, we're going to take a phone call. Hi, you're on the air with Marsha Davis. Marsha? Yes, yes, caller. What's your name? This is Bob. Thanks for calling, Rob. Now, what's your question or comment? Not Rob. Bob. This is Bob. Bob Tart. Oh, yes, Bob Tart. Ladies and gentlemen, what a treat it is to welcome Bob Tart to my show. As you may remember, Bob used to do a little podcast here at PetLifeRadio.com, but he never really found his voice, much less his footing. What can I do for you, Bob? How about letting me back into my house? Sorry, Bob, but we're on the air. Do you have a question for today's very special guest, book character Bill Holm? I'll say I do. Bill, why don't you... Pet Life Radio! You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. Well, what a treat it was to hear from Bob Tart. You two go way back, don't you? Yes, we do, and I'm proud to have been the reason for whatever success he's had as an author. 
That's great, Bill. By the way, you're looking especially handsome tonight. <laughs> and you're looking lovely, as always, Marsha. Why, thank you. But, that, but let's get back to the phones. Hello, you're on What Were You Thinking with Marsha Davis. Hello, this is Bob Tart Floral. Uh, may I speak to Marsha Davis? This is Marsha Davis. Hi, this is Bob Tart Floral. We have a delivery here for uh, Marsha Davis. It's a congratulatory horseshoe wreath with a lovely spray of Michigan winter wildflowers. And it doesn't look at all as if it had spent the last three days at the Van Droste Funeral Home in Kalamazoo. How lovely. I just adore Michigan winter wildflowers. Yes, ma'am. I'm at the front door of the house now, if you'll allow me entry. Absolutely. I got back in. 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 Oh, we probably had that audience going for a while. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen. Let me introduce you to the players in our little comedy here. Book character Bill Holm. Oh, hello. And Marcia Davis. Hello. Oh, Bill and Marcia, oh, this really takes me back. This reminds me of my childhood in the 1930s when we would sit in the parlor of a Sunday night. Papa would tune in the Philco radio and perched upon the old Cracker Barrel, I'd listen to the latest installment of Johnson's Wax Presents Fibber McGee and Molly. For the next 30 minutes, I would no longer occupy my mundane little world in our halfway house, but I'd be magically transported to 221B Baker Street. In fact, you know, since we have a little bit of time left, I think maybe I'll fill up the rest of the show by playing a royalty-free episode of Fibber McGee and Molly. Hello. Oh, hi. It's so nice to talk to you. Bob, it's your producer. Oh, 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 oh. Yes? Yes, thank you. Thank you so much. Well, you too. No, the pleasure's all mine. Oh, oh, you're making me blush. Okay, I'll tell him. Bob, the producer asked me to tell you that he's already warned you about filling your show with old episodes of Fibber, McGee, and Molly, and that you and book character Bill Holm had better get down to business. Oh, wait, I, I'm not sure I want to participate any longer in this charade. I liked it better when Marsha was the host. Oh, the pain. The pain of it all. I'm helpless. Why should I even go on? Why shouldn't I just end this parody of a life right here, right now? Bill, no! Not on Bob's new carpet! That's right, Bill. Listen to Marsha. Just put down that cheese grater and let's get this show on the road. Okay. We'll be right back with more of Yeah, That's What You Were Thinking after a word from our sponsor. What Were You Thinking? We'll be right back after Bob gets the ducks out of his living room. Don't go away. Stop what you're doing and start horsing around. Every week on Pet Life Radio. Horse expert and award-winning rider Audrey Pavia will be trotting out great tips on feeding, 
breeding, and more on everything equestrian. So set a spell and say hey to Audrey and get ready for a darn tootin' gallopin' good time every week on Horsin' Around, on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com. Pets are part of the family, and when traveling with your dog, there's only one magazine to include when packing your doggy's duffel bag, and that's Fido Friendly, the travel and lifestyle magazine for you and your dog. Each bi-monthly issue includes hotel, city and state reviews, and doggy destinations to explore with your furry companion. Fido Friendly magazine can be found at Borders, Barnes & Noble, PetSmart, Pet Boutiques, and Fido Friendly hotels nationwide. Or you can go online to subscribe at www.fidofriendly.com. So get traveling with your pet today and leave no dog behind. And remember, Fido Friendly's the only magazine dedicated to the travel lifestyle of man's best friend and the one magazine your dog will thank you for. Welcome to Pet Planet. Here's a copy of Pet Planet Magazine, Florida's most informative and fun pet resource magazine. It features heartwarming stories and informative articles from local and national pet experts. Excellent. Pet Planet Magazine offers Operation Planet Rescue, helping rescued pets find new homes. And it's available at 500 locations in South and Central Florida and 24-7 on the Internet at PetPlanetMagazine.com. If you're out and about with your pet, you may be featured in paparazzi, candid pictures of you and your pet. For up-to-date pet-friendly events, activities, and pet-related services and products, Pet Planet Magazine is your final destination. I shall take this magazine home with me. Back to your home planet? No, to my condo in Boca. Pet Planet Magazine. Check them out at www.petplanetmagazine.com or 352-394-8578. It's out of this world. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Okay, ducks are in the pond, rabbits in his hutch, and monkeys... Ow! In my car! Oh, okay, well, I go check my insurance policy. We'll turn you back over to Bob. Hi, welcome back to the second half of What Were You Thinking? And uh, I'm your host, Bob Tart. I just sincerely hope that you made it through the first half of that show because I think that that was pretty rough. And uh, I'm here with my wife, Linda, and she's back. Hello, how you doing? Linda, are you glad that you're not being replaced? I certainly am. Since the first half of the show was about pests, in this case, book character Bill Holm and Marsha Davis, we thought we would continue that theme for the second half of the show. And we're going to talk about pests. Pest animals or animals. Animal pests. Yeah, considered animal pests. Linda has a little bit of a uh, sinus thing going on right now. so Yeah, if anybody's got any good cures, uh, homeopathic cures for sinus, just let me know. I'm going to read a short segment from my book, Fall Weather, which uh, came out in March 2007. And this is about an encounter with a pest. I want to tell you in advance that the reading takes about three and a half minutes. And the reason I'm telling you that is that a couple of years ago when I was up in Luther, Michigan, I was promoting my first book, Enslaved by Ducks. Uh, I was in the middle of a uh, lung inflammation there, so book character Bill Holm went with me, and he did the reading that I usually did. 
which was about uh, our little pocket parrot, Ollie. And I hadn't warned people that the reading takes about 10 minutes. Bill was doing a great job reading it. And then suddenly, in the middle of the reading, I heard a voice from the middle of the room saying, are they going to read the whole book? I'm not reading the whole book. I'm just doing about three minutes. Uh, just to set it up a little bit, Linda's trying to chase our cats out of the room. That's the... Uh, I think Maynard wants to be on the show. Yeah, I do too. That's our latest cat. What uh, Linda and I used to always do after dinner, and uh, Linda still does it with her African gray parrot, Dusty, is that after dinner, Dusty would come on top of his cage, and Linda plays with him with some toys. And then the parrot I had at that time, Stanley Sue, Stanley Sue would climb down from her cage, and she would climb up onto this overstuffed chair that we had next to the cage, and then I'd scratch her head. So that's what's going on. Uh, I'm sitting in the chair. Stanley Sue is on the arm of the chair, and I'm scratching her head. When suddenly Linda cries out, A mouse! There's a mouse running up your chair! Now, I'd gotten over my fears of mice the year I'd moved to this house and discovered that the basement was a favorite sightseeing spot for hornets, spiders, earwigs, snakes, chipmunks, squirrels, the occasional well-traveled Norway rat, and, most of all, mice. I still hadn't embraced the concept of vermin jumping out at me, though. So, I lifted the cushion warily, beheld an unpleasant secret inside the chair, and felt the blood drain to my feet. What? asked Linda. What? A writhing mass of tiny pink bodies beckoned, hello, from a hole in the upholstery that Mama Mouse had excavated. For all I knew, the entire chair was stuffed to the bursting point with wriggling, sightless entities that resembled mammalian slugs. I replaced all the cushions, or I replaced the cushion and turned toward the rain that was rolling off the leaves of our hackberry tree and had darkened the plumage of the goldfinch on our feeder. A, 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 a mouse nest, I stammered, though this failed to do justice to the extraordinary sight. Now, had the mice been dead, my shock wouldn't have been so great. It wasn't just that a test tube culture of rodents bloomed in our dining room. It was that I'd seen the creatures in a distressingly helpless state of being. I'd inadvertently glimpsed an unpleasant process, usually hidden from human eyes, like the secretion of bile by the liver or the production of canned cat food. Don't hurt them, Linda said. I'm not going to hurt them. I don't want anything to do with them, but they can't stay here. Linda looked at me in shock. To her way of thinking, if there was anything worse than stumbling upon undulating pop-eyed furless larvae in a dining room chair, it was depriving the pop-eyed furless larvae of their opportunity to undulate. Well, we have to let the mother finish raising them at least, she said. You do see a problem with that, don't you? I answered her. When she's finished raising them, they'll make themselves at home, and the next thing you know, we'll have mouse nests in our mattress. Linda put her hands on her hips. Well, we can't just let them die. Okay, how about if we move the nursery out to the barn? Linda decided that this would be okay as long as she tanged along to make sure that Mother Mouse didn't abandon her chair in transit. I hadn't seen the mom when I'd raised the cushion, and by the time I flipped the chair sideways to fit it through the front door and lurched it down the porch steps without a sign of her, I decided she must have hightailed it. We moved briskly over the slippery grass, 
but just as I huffed and puffed my way around the massive evergreen within sight of the barn door, Linda hollered, Stop! Stop! There she goes! Put down the chair! I was happy to oblige. Although the chair wasn't exactly heavy, I was even more of a lightweight and gratefully set it down. The rain increased intensity, gleeful for the chance to drench a pair of mouse abusers. We have to leave it here so that she knows where it is, said Linda. In this? I flicked the wet hair from my eyes. For how long? At least overnight, she said. I couldn't really argue with her, since I didn't see the value in returning a mouse-infested chair to the dining room. The next thing I knew, Linda had taken my hand. Dear Lord, she said, closing her eyes and bowing her head, please let the mouse find her babies in the chair. The enormousness of the moment humbled me. Despite all of the people who had preceded us over thousands of millennia of human history, I was confident that no one had ever spoken such words in prayer before. So that was a little encounter we had with the mouse, and that's from my book, Foul Weather. If you enjoy animal stories, um, I think I think you would enjoy that book, and that's foul spelled F-O-W-L. Uh, there's also my book, Enslaved by Ducks, about our animals. Now, keeping with the pest theme, Linda, you have an interesting story that uh, is sort of an ongoing Going story. along with this. Yeah, go ahead. Well, I was driving down the streets in Lowell recently, and I noticed on my dashboard lights there were on in some ways that they weren't before. There was something that said VSH or VSF or something like that, and then uh, was it traction off, and then this picture of my engine. And I thought, oh dear, my heart, blood always runs cold when I see things on the dashboard light up because I know something's wrong with the car. But I wasn't that worried about it this time because I just bought that car a year ago, so I knew that anything that went wrong with it would be covered under warranty. So Bob, the following day or the day after, took my car to the dealership, and I, I because it was in Grand Rapids a few miles away, and because my back bothers me, I couldn't drive there. So on this way home from work, he stopped by there, and then later he came back home, and I figured he'd have a happy smile on his face that whatever it was would be covered under warranty, and we all lived happily ever after. So when he came in the door and had a long face, I started to lose heart a little bit, and I said, what? what, what what's wrong? He said, oh, it's not good. I said, what? It's not covered under warranty? No. And I said, what is it? What happened? He said, well... A mouse got in there under your hood or wherever it was and it chewed on wires and this thing it chewed on is the O2 sensor. It's going to cost uh, $526 and something cents to replace. I said, what? Are you kidding me? He said, no. I said, how is that possible? And the worst part about it is that it was probably my fault because we have a live mouse trap under the um, in our cupboard because I don't like to kill the mice. And um, we've been catching them with this live mouse trap. And because I've, it's a, a winter here and I don't feel like going outside uh, driving up the street, I should drive them up the street a mile or two away instead of uh, just releasing it out the door. Because what happens is if you release them out the door, they'll turn right around walking back to the house and come right back in your house again. But then half an hour, they could be right back in your cupboard. Well, what has happened is, because of being Mrs. Nice Guy with the mice, 
they're going in my car to stay warm. I, that'd be my guess. They get up in that car to stay warm, and I think they like chewing on them wires. This is the consequence. No good deed goes unpunished, as they say. And so the, these mice have gone up and done that damage to my car. Luckily, I think my insurance company is going to pay for replacing it. And it's a little part about the size of a spark plug, so who, who go figure why that'd be 500 and something dollars. You would know that the mouse would choose the most expensive yeah, little part. little part in the whole car. So that, that's, my, uh, that's, that's what I get for being Mrs. Nice Guy to the mice. Now, I should point out that the same day that your check engine light went on, so did mine. And we park right next to each other. So, so I haven't what even, do you think happened? I haven't even dared take my car in yet but I, I am could it be the same thing I am certain that it's a mouse that chewed something something in under the car your hood and something sensor related and I'm hoping it's not the o2 sensor because oh I can't conceive of calling the insurance company and having the state farm insurance adjuster coming out again again and you know we're gonna have the uh, anti-fraud division of the mm -hmm. uh, attorney general's office stopping at our house because no one's going to believe it. Mm -hmm. And that makes me think we would, uh, you know, we hear from people who have rats and mice as pets. I've gotten a lot of emails, uh, people who read my books, Inside by Ducks and Fall Weather, and they say, I have a pet mouse or I have a pet rat. And we'd like to have some of those people on the show. because Almost I, everybody has a good mouse or rodent story. That's right, even if it's not a pet. If you have a good story about... Something that happened to you with mice. Yeah, with, with mice or rats. If yeah, you have a something. good mouse or rat story, um, let us know, and you know we, we might have you on the show. You just have to email me at bob at petliferadio.com. And you wanted to um, talk about another outdoor pest. Three years ago, I think you're the one that saw him first. Mm -hmm. You were going out to the barn, weren't you? Mm -hmm. And you saw... it's um, Behind our house is a milk house. And, and beside the milk house is some bird feeders. Yeah, the milk house is just an old stone it's building. It's made out of stone, like field stone, and it's a little stone building that you used to keep ice in, or ice and milk. Anyway, beside that, there's bird feeders and stuff. And underneath that, about three years ago, he was walking out the barn. And what was it? You saw a little head stick up? I saw a little head sticking up from out of the a ground. Hole. There was a little hole in the ground. It was in wintertime. I think, was it wintertime or fall? It was still late fall. There wasn't snow No on snow the on the ground no yet. Snow. He saw this little thing stick up out of the ground and then go back down. And, of course, when he came back in, he said, there's this little thing, there's a hole and this little thing coming up out of the ground. I don't know what it is. I, I just don't know. It doesn't quite look like a mouse, but uh, it's white. And he described it to me, and we'd never seen anything like yeah, this Yeah, the coloring thing. was very unusual. It was white. It looked like a little finger puppet coming up out of this hole was white and it had a little gray spot. It appeared to be kind of faceless. It looked like a thumb sticking up out of the ground that was fur covered white with a little gray spot. Never seen anything like it in my life. It would pop up and then go back down and then pop up and go back down. I, I, I had a uh, old Reader's Digest guide to just about every animal and Creature. plant in the North America. It turned out to be a sharp-tailed shrew. Shrew, a shrew. But it had weird coloring, and it's what you call a leucistic, leucistic color. Which is, uh, partly, it's almost like albino, but not quite. No, it's, it's not completely white. The pigmentation white. is somehow gone, but it was white, but um, you couldn't hardly see his eyes 
No, because it's a there, shrew. But you, if we looked really long at it, we got a picture of it. You can, if you looked really hard, you could see a little tiny dot on both sides up high that might be its eyes. But it had a little gray spot on it, like the side of a rabbit would have a spot, and it. it was almost like that. But it was shaped like about as fatter than your thumb, but shaped kind of like that. So we called him Nosy because he was nosy. always sticking his nose out. And if any seeds fell into his little hole, seed he didn't holes, like that. You no, know, he would go out and uh, shove his nose tidy up out his of the entrance. Hole and, and, yeah, just adorable. Yeah, it's just absolutely adorable. We only saw him for maybe about a week or something, right? Oh no, we saw him longer than that. Okay, but no, bad, he was there several weeks. Okay, but bad weather came pretty soon, and uh, that was a shrew. He probably hibernated after that. Yeah, I think shrews only live a year, so. Um, oh, we loved him, and we wished that he had come back the following year. Or maybe we'll even if his relative had come back, yeah, I would have loved we'll it. Yeah, maybe we'll see a descendant of Nosy. Oh, so. he was just—he was just a wonderful. And I would go, and we would stand at our dining room window, look down, and hope that he would stick his head up because we would just go into peals of laughter and joy every time we saw him. He, it was really fun seeing him come up. He would—he probably took the seeds to eat them, wouldn't he? Or did he just eat worms on the ground? I think they eat worms. But okay, I, so he didn't like because the bird feeder was overhead, and I think the birds would always drop these hulls. And he just, you know, would mess up his little doorway. And he was all the time coming up, I'd say, about every seven minutes or so to tidy up his entrance. Yep. Just a wonderful sight. You never know what you're going to see around here. No, you never And that, I'll never forget that long as I live how cute he was. So we bid a fond farewell to Nosy. Bye, Nosy. So that's it for this week's episode of What Were You Thinking? And look on the Pet Life Radio website, and I will be posting a picture of Nosy. And I'll also be posting a picture of Bill and Marsha. And I hope that you can tell Bill from a short-tailed shrew. <laughs> I'm not sure, but thanks. Tell them thanks for their wonderful appearance, funny appearances. So thanks to Bill and Marsha. Thank you. And thanks to our mysterious producers. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thinking about buying a monkey? How about a ferret or a skunk? Then check out the show that will answer the burning questions, where do you get them? What do you feed them? How do you take care of them? And most of all, what were you thinking? With exotic pet expert and author Bob Tart, every week on demand from PetLifeRadio.com. Johnson's Wax Program with Fibber McGee and Molly. The makers of Johnson's Wax and Johnson's Self-Polishing Glow Coat present Fibber McGee and Molly with Bill Thompson, Gail Gordon, Arthur Q. Bryan, B. Benaderet, and me, Harlow Wilcox. The script is by Don Quinn and Phil Leslie. Music by the Kingsmen and Billy Mills Orchestra. 